It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 262 of Locked On Raptors for Saturday, January 20th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of LockedOnRaptors.com and RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. Uh, you find links to every single episode, all that good stuff. Make sure you're checking out the Locked On Network on iTunes, both NFL and NBA. If you're a Jaguars, Vikings, Eagles, or Patriots fan, make sure you're checking out the Locked On shows for those corresponding teams uh, to get all the stuff you need to know for the game coming up, uh, or the games coming up on Sunday. Uh, and if you're an NBA fan, just find the shows you like. Find a host that you dig. Um, a couple of shows that I would recommend. Locked On Bucks is fantastic. Uh, lots of angst over Jason Kidd. It's pretty fun. Uh, and Eric and Frank do a great job, so make sure you check that show out. And if you like a show, find it on iTunes separately. Leave a rating, leave a review. You can do that with us. Find Locked On Raptors on iTunes. Leave a rating. Order a review, it's the easiest way to help out the show, move us up the rankings, make us more popular, stroke my ego, all that good stuff. Um, so please do that. Uh, oh, one other note, a couple I've brought a couple writers on with LockedOnRappers.com. They're going to be contributing some pieces over the coming weeks and hopefully for a long time. Uh, make sure you follow LeBon Osman, um, Jordan Tamiyama, and Zach Worden. Uh, I tweeted out a thing with all their handles and stuff a couple days ago. If you want to scroll back and find it, they're going to be writing some stuff, uh, making the site a lot less bad, and uh, very excited to have them on board. So uh, keep an eye out for them on the podcast as well. I'm sure we'll have them guest at some point in the future. All right, on today's show, um, two people who... Uh, Deserve, they deserve introductions. They need no introduction because they're on the show all the damn time. It's Vivek Jacob and Sahal Abdi. How's it going, guys? Pretty good. Pretty good. I could have. Nice I, I suppose I should have asked. Here. I suppose I should have asked one of you at a time uh, what was up instead of just having you both talk to the mic <laughs> at the same time. But hey, it's Saturday morning and uh, I'm barely alert. So uh, the idea for this podcast it was supposed to be uh, done a little earlier in the week, but just schedules didn't quite work out. Uh, it's like a halfway checkup on our preseason prop bets and to see who is going to end up winning. I don't know what we're winning at the end, but we'll, we'll see. Um, but we're going to uh, dive into all the prop bets maybe before the season, see how they're all working out. Um, spoiler alert, we got a lot of stuff wrong. So uh, <laughs> we're going to go through the 10 bets we made and uh, see where we are at right now. We had a lot of sort of different picks in the preseason, a few questions that we were all sort of uh, the same on, but a lot of differential differentiation I'm a dummy what what, what am I saying Um, a lot of differentiation in in terms of our selections so uh, we will dive into that now Um, do you guys want to yeah let's just go now the first pick the first question man I am out of it the first question was Raptors who are going to average double digit points per game we set the line at five and a half we all took the over and currently five Raptors are averaging double digit points per game so it's a resounding start for all of us uh, DeMar DeRozan's at 25.1, Lowry at 16.4, Serge at 13.2, Jonas at 11.4, and CJ at 10.1. Um, I guess the guy that's disappointing here is Norman Powell. I think a lot of us kind of had him for like 12 to 15 points, considering he started the season as the starter. Um, Sahal, let's go to you first. Uh, what's going on with Norm? Why is he not in this ranks in the ranks of the top two? dudes with double-digit scoring on the Raptors? Uh, It's been a disappointing season for Norm. Uh, Everybody expected him to take a step forward this year. Um, Going into the year, we weren't really sure if CJ Miles was going to start or Norman Powell. It started getting clear near the end that Norman Powell was going to get that starting spot beside DeMar DeRozan and the rest of the starters. Um, Started off the season kind of not looking too good. Uh, Dwayne Casey gave him more than enough chances to prove that he could fit in seamlessly with the starters and it didn't really work out um, his skill set didn't really translate too well beside DeMar DeRozan uh, Dwayne Casey finally decided that he would bench him and yeah Norman Norman's probably been the most disappointing Raptor this far this season um, 
I was, like you said, expecting to average 12 to 15 points per game. And I'm not sure what he's at. He's probably like at 7 or 8. He's, um, uh, he's at 6.6 right now. Okay. Yeah. 6.6, wow. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Norm's definitely been disappointing, but I, I'm not ready to give up on him yet for the second half of the year. Um, I think maybe he can bump it up closer to 10 in the second half of the year um, as he gets more comfortable. But at the same time, it is it has been definitely disappointing for the third-year guard. Yeah. Um, funnily enough, the Raptors have five guys with double digits. They also have five guys who are averaging between 6.1 and 6.9 points, which is weird. Um, Norm's wow. one of those guys. Also, Fred, Yak, Siakam, and OG. Uh, Vivek... If we're looking at the second half of the season, what do you think? Is there like an avenue for Norm to sort of beef up his numbers and kind of get back to where we kind of thought he would be before the season? Or are you kind of just chalking the season up as like a lost season at this point? I wouldn't chalk it up as a lost season. I think the avenue for him is in between the ears. Uh, yeah. Everything seems mental with him right now. So if he can get to a point where he's just accepted that, you know, he's coming off the bench now, he's got to find. A role for himself within that bench unit, um, compete for minutes with you know Fred VanVleet and CJ Miles, and just be the guy who he's been the last couple of seasons instead of maybe trying to validate uh, you know his extension or that you know he should have been a starter. Um, whatever it is that's going through his head, I think he just needs to accept where he's at right now mm. and be who he is. Not. And not try to you know go outside the box of his game. Yeah, it'd be nice. Anyway. It'd be nice to see him try to rein it in a little bit more. I guess there was the play last night. He had a little. Uh, I, I just read Will's notes. I didn't, I didn't catch the game just yet, but um, Will pointed out he had a nice little floater, which we've never seen from him. So maybe it's him sort of looking to expand his driving game a little bit because that was always the bugaboo with him, right? And I think last season he kind of caught people off guard with his ability to just kind of blow people blow by people on his first step. It was like maybe the most deadly first step in the league. I mean, it was really hard to contend with. Um, and he didn't really have much in terms of a bag of tricks when he got to the rim. But last season it didn't really seem like it mattered because it's not like he was a guy that teams were looking at and scouting for because when he played it was often a surprise. Um, so, yeah, so I guess it's probably people kind of getting the book on him. So hope, here's hoping he can kind of counter that a little bit. Maybe the injury early in the season kind of threw him off. Well, we only missed like five games, so it's hard to really say how much that was an impactful thing for him. But, yeah, here's hoping he can kind of just chill a little bit. Like, he's so fidgety when he gets the ball. He just seems like he's, like, trying to do things that, like, are just – there's no – when there's no play there, he's still, like, trying to shoehorn a play in, and it's it's not working out well. So here's hoping Norm uh, – I don't think he's going to make it up into the reaches of the, the, the dudes with uh, double-digit points, but – uh, here's hoping he can kind of recover and have a solid start, to the, a solid finish to the season. DeLon Wright actually is the closest guy to maybe creeping into that uh, top six. He's at 8.8. Uh, is there any chance that we get uh, the win on this pick by the end of the season, Sahal? Um, yeah, I don't see really DeLon Wright uh, going through that 10-point range. It would require a Lowry injury, probably. Yeah, that's probably the only, the only way how. And even still... DeLon's not much of a scorer, so I'd expect if Lowry went down, he'd be averaging like 10 to 14 points per game. So, yeah. um, Tell the Sixers he's not much of a scorer, or the Bulls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is possible, but like they say, anything's possible. But I, I think we're going to get this one right. Uh, CJ's at 10.1, though, so it's not even like yeah. we're, comfortably, we're comfortably in, but... Um, I have a feeling we're going to get this one right. Yeah, he's kind of oscillated back and forth between like 9.9 and 10.1 all season. So uh, we'll see how it works out. I don't think we're getting that one. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner. And Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, next question, DeMar DeRozan, assist per game. We set the line at six, and I took the over. You both took the under. You guys are very correct. Um, he's at five exactly right now, and I don't really see a way he's going to 
really bump it up by an entire assist per game. As good a playmaker as he's been, and as you know, the number of games where he's had seven or eight assists is pretty awesome. But um, that's a big number to sort of climb in the last thirty-seven games or whatever it is. Um, Sahal, do you see any way in which I, uh, in which or Vivek, we just went to Sahal. Uh, Vivek, is there any way in which I, I, I beat you guys on this? I don't think so, man. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, I think it's just he's he's at a good number right now. Um, he, obviously, he can have stretches where he can average seven, maybe eight assists a game, even. Um, but I think the way the team's playing right now, you look at him as being the primary initiator for the offense and guys are playing off that and you know in the grand scheme of things it's not necessarily about his individual assist numbers yeah um he is getting a lot of those Gretzky assists right where his Mm penetration is leading to a kick out which is leading to a swing over to either the corner or a break or another cutting guy for a layup so um everything he's impacting right now on the offensive end is coming up you know Golden and long may it continue. Yeah, yeah I, I think uh, it's like you said, it's less about the actual number and, and more about like sort of the health of the offense when he's out there. And I don't think there's any argument that it's much healthier when he's out there. Um, it's less Demar Iso. It's less uh, running high pick and roll just to kind of get him ahead of steam and get him buckets. It's less mid range stuff from him. It's him sort of surveying the defense and even in games where it kind of has looked a little you know, a little stodgy. Like, the game against Detroit on Wednesday, like, the offense wasn't clicking all that well. Detroit's defense was pretty aggressive. Uh, Dwayne Casey mentioned they were using this sort of weird pick-and-roll coverage where they were having, like, a third guy come and tag the big so they could keep a guy, uh, keep drumming up high. Um, and it was sort of messing with the Rosen's head a little bit. You could see it. And even then, like, I was going back watching that game to write a piece about it, and there were, like, five or six plays where he just completely deconstructed the traps with like amazing passes he had that one lebron style pass uh cross court to cj for a three um Mm -hmm. like he's like the passes he's making are passes we've never seen from him so uh even if he doesn't get to six i think we can all kind of rest easy in sort of looking at how his passing has evolved and, and be pretty happy with it so um we can move on to the next one right now you guys are projected to beat me both one one nothing um Let's go to Kyle Lowry. Combined points, rebounds, and assists. I'm getting one back on you guys here. We set the line at 32 and a half. Uh, I said under. You guys both said over. And he's at 29.3. So, uh, <laughs> suck it. <laughs> uh, I don't know. This one feels like it would be a lot closer if, if Kyle was playing more minutes, obviously, right? Like the 32, 33 minutes he's playing, that's kind of eating into his counting stats a little bit. That's fine. Uh, I think we would all take that trade-off for him to be healthy at the end of the season. And, of course, he's going to take charges when it's a 30-point game and get hurt no matter what. But um, it's, it is encouraging that the Raptors are kind of limiting his, his exposure here. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't really see – unless he kind of goes on a scoring run here. Like, he had a big scoring night last night. If he can kind of raise – I think the points are where the – you know, obviously he's been at 22 or 21 for the last couple of seasons. I think the points are where he can make it up and kind of get the extra three points here needed to uh, give you guys the win on this one. But Sahal, do you see any world in which Kyle Lowry adds three points to his total in the last 37 games? Um, I think there's – I think there's a I think there's a chance, yeah. Yeah? Um, I think as the season goes along, you're probably going to see Dwayne Casey really try and go for that one seed. Mm. And – Dwayne Casey has this thing where when he's trying to win, it's, he goes into Tom Thibodeau mode. <laughs> he just throws his starters out there and leaves them out there. So um, Kyle definitely knows that this year he hasn't been um, a focal point as, as one of the main scorers. Like he, he is one of the Raptors' main scorers, but he's not scoring like he used to, and that obviously has a lot to do with the system change and all of that. But I think he's gotten to the point where he's he's comfortable where he is, but he still understands that he can take over games if if need be. So I feel like when the games get more crucial as the season goes along and Dwayne Casey leaves him out there for a bit longer, we're going to see more high-scoring games from Kyle Lowry. Yeah, I don't know if I totally agree. I just think uh, even when they are trying to win, I don't really... I think Casey's got the long game in mind here. Um, although I, I think there is a real argument for... Stick to it? Yeah, I do think he, he, he will. But like I do also think there's an argument for... 
going all out and trying to get that one seed because that's going to be really important. Um, yeah. Like, Vivek, would you be okay with, like, a bit of a trade-off where Kyle plays three extra minutes a game down the stretch here if they're really trying to push for that one seed? Because, like, the seeding could be yeah. really important here, and maybe they get burned and the Cavs fall to four anyway and you end up getting the Cavs in the second round no matter what, but... Um, like the one seed to avoid having to play both Boston and Cleveland on a potential run of the conference finals, like I think that is uh, is pretty important. As much as you want to play those teams to sort of test your medal against them, I guess I'd also just like playoff games and I like going deep. It's really fun. It's it's good for the yeah. fans. Um, so what do you think about that, Vivek? Would you sell out a little bit of this preservation of Larry to try to go for that one seed? Because they're only two games back right now. Right. I mean, I. I don't. I don't think I'd, I'd be reluctant to do it just because I'm still apprehensive about his history in right. the playoffs, and I think the way the Raptors have done it uh, is the way that it should continue. This is uh, one bet I will gladly take the L in <laughs> if they can keep his minutes. <laughs> if they can keep his minutes down and he comes into the playoffs ready to go and uh, is Kalo and you know absolutely annihilates whoever's in front of him, I will gladly take. The fewer minutes right now, um, you know. I think the biggest thing is protecting Lowry from himself. Mm. Look at that Philly game. Uh, you know, sure, if you want to play 35, 36 minutes, go ahead. But man, every time he went up for a rebound, it was scary to watch. Like you, you're just praying that nothing happened to his tailbone. You know, when he took uh, those charges and landed on it, you just fear the worst and. That's exactly what I don't want the rest of the season. You know what it looked like in that game? It looked like he had to take a shit the entire game. (laughs) It was (laughs) was like, dude, just like go sit for a bit. I mean, I made the joke that he probably couldn't sit at the moment anyway, but just, uh, yeah, I'm kind of with you. I I also think they can get the one seed without going all out too. Um, Exactly. No, I agree. Um, Like Boston is great at carrying the load. Yeah. And you look at... Uh, the one seed. You look at the, the schedule that Boston has had to this point. Um, I think they've, they've still got a big West Coast road trip uh, to make. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I still think uh, there's an avenue for the Raptors to get the one seed, just doing what they're doing right now. Um, and who knows? Maybe instead of needing Lowry to play more minutes, you just get better minutes from you know Norman Powell and yeah. uh, Jonas has really stepped it up of late. And, um, Ibaka has struggled, but maybe he plays better down the stretch. So maybe there's other ways that you know they can get what they need to get that one seed. Yeah, for sure. Um, it would be nice. <laughs> Just uh, the Celtics. I don't really know. They're, I I I kind of believe in the net rating. I kind of believe in the fact that the Raptors are a top five offense and defense. And while the Celtics defense is amazing, their offense is still very middling. And I do th- kind of feel like by the end of the season that'll bear out. Um, so I guess we'll see, but yeah, the the one seed is going to be a topic of, of, of discussion, I think, the entire rest of the way, and we're going to be watching the Cavs and whether or not they get overtaken by the Heat, and it's going to be annoying and laborious to watch that race all season, but um, I definitely think that's going to be one of the bigger topics of conversation down the end of the season here. Um, next up, number of wins against the Western Conference. We don't need to spend too much time on this because we're uh, kind of going slow here. But we see the line of 14 and a half. I took over, Sahal took over, Vivek took under. They're already at 12. Um, they're 12 and 7 against the West right now. Obviously, 11 games left. So just 3 and 8 will get them above that 14 and a half. Uh, Vivek, how does it feel to be so, so wrong? It feels great. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is the stuff you want to be wrong about. Um <laughs> So, yeah, another L I'll gladly take um, because I, I think when I was judging this, it was something where I expected the youth to kind of struggle and have some, you know, tough learning experiences on the road. You know, against, and, you know the West actually hasn't been as good as mm-hmm. many expected. So I think that's had something to do with it as well. Uh, so, yeah, again, I'll be gladly wrong about this one. Uh, the youth movement, the bench has been terrific. Uh, you look at all the pieces that went out, the way they've been able to come in, everyone from you know Van Vliet to DeLon to Siakam to Pirtle. Um, yeah, they've all had their moments. You know, Pirtle early on on that West Coast road trip had a couple of great games against the Spurs and the Warriors. Um, even though both of those were L's, um, that's kind of what you want to see. Um, that you know, young guys are, aren't afraid of those big environments and can step in and contribute. 
Yeah, I think they've done a, a really nice job. Like, I think we were kind of looking at that early season road trip, that six gamer, and thinking like, oh man, they might go one and five on that. But they went three and uh-huh. three. Um, they've picked up wins against the teams you would expect to win. Uh, I guess Dallas, notwithstanding, and I think they've kind of just crushed. I think other than the Warriors, they've beaten every team that's come into Toronto from the West. So um, that might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's the case. So. Um, yeah, they performed pretty well. They had the, the, those really big wins, I think, uh, in Houston and in New Orleans back-to-back. That was kind of a really good stretch. Um, yeah, it's uh, you're probably right in that the West not being quite as good probably plays into it, but um, they've lost to the teams I think you would expect them to lose to, like OKC on the second night of a back-to-back. Like, yeah, that was probably going to be a loss. Um, the Warriors, obviously, the, the Spurs in San Antonio early in the season. Like, I don't think they've lost any games that they. I mean, maybe that Denver game, but even then, that was like late in the road trip or whatever. Um, yeah, I think they've done yeah. it pretty good. They, they did, there's not like an ugly loss to like Sacramento or Phoenix that you usually bake into this every season, right? So, um, right. so that's that's positive. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Um, let's move on to the next one here. Who plays the most crunch time minutes between OG, Siakam, Jonas, Pirtle, and Alfonso McKinney? <laughs> Alfonso McKinney. Yeah. Uh, wow. I said Siakam. Sahal said OG. Uh, Vivek said Jonas. Um, in a way, we're all wrong here because I believe Fred Van Vliet has played more minutes in crunch time than any of these guys. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. But of the guys that we picked from... Sahal, you're correct with OG. Uh, what do you think has made OG such a reliable crunch time dude? Um, he's so versatile. Yeah. Um, seamlessly switching from the three to the four, guarding the three and the four. And the, I think one of the best things about OG is that he doesn't. He's like the polar opposite of Norman Powell, and in, in the sense that he knows his role and he doesn't really overstate. Um, what he's supposed to be doing and right. doesn't really force the issue he just stands in the corner moves around cuts um you know does does all the things you're supposed to do when you're starting beside DeMar DeRozan or when you're playing beside DeMar DeRozan um not really demanding the ball or anything like that doing all the little things um defensively the hustle um whenever you have guys like that uh, it's so easy to play them in the fourth and then also with OG uh he was, he's been such a steal for the entire draft. Like I'm, I, I, it's like a weekly thing for me where I look back at the draft and I'm like, how did Masai do it? Like, yeah. I, I really don't know how Masai did it. And um, I think Harry, Harry is Harry Giles, is that his name? Harry, Harry Giles? Giles, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was drafted before OG, wasn't he? No, he was after. I think. Oh, he was after. Okay. Uh, let me see. It's I'm funny because I wanted. Uh, for, I obviously wanted OG, but I also wanted Harry Harry Giles or Harry Giles, however you say his name. Yeah. Um, oh, he was drafted before. Giles, the 20th. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He was the twentieth. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, so he's picked before him. So, um, I wouldn't be pissed, but now I realize I'd probably be losing my mind because he wouldn't <laughs> be playing this season. So, um, but OG's been a revelation this season. Um, he's exactly what they needed, and he really looks like he at times this season he has star potential to turn into something big. I'm looking at the draft order right now, um, trying to determine which teams are like, oh shit, we t- should have taken OG. Um, I'm not going to go there with Markel Fultz yet. <laughs> there, he's going to be well, fine. <laughs> uh, Lonzo, fine. Jason Tatum, fine. Josh Jackson, probably fine. I think he's going to be pretty good. Yeah. Um, De'Aaron Fox, I'm sure the Kings are happy with him. Jonathan Isaac, do you think, Vivek, do you think the, the, the well, Magic would rather have OG or Jonathan Isaac right now? Um, I think Jonathan Isaac actually started out pretty well for the Magic, and then he yeah. had some injury issues. I agree. Uh, and I think he's their, you know, big man of the future. So yeah. um, I think they're okay there. And you you look at the depth that they had in terms of wings. And yeah, they had a lot to figure that out. Like it's hard to argue that they would have taken OG. Um, yeah, they've got a guy like Aaron Gordon. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I I don't think they'll have regrets about that. 
Imagine the pairing of Terrence Ross and OJN and Obi on the wing. I mean, that's just terrifying. Um, uh, the Bulls are very okay with marketing, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. I think the Knicks are okay with Frankie Smokes. The Mavs are fine with Dennis Smith. Then it gets interesting. So Zach Collins to Portland at 10. Would you, I mean, he seems like he'd be a perfect player on Portland. They need defensive wings. They have a Minu, but other than that, they don't really – and they have a million bigs. Um, Vivek, would you think that the – the, the, the Blazers wish they took Anadobi at this point? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's sort of been a problem for them. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that, that, that's definitely an area where they could have used some help. Um, they were kind of sort of desperate for Carmelo at, during the offseason. And you look at the wins that they have right now, no one's really uh, stepped up for them. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, you look at Aminu's missed some time. Then they've had uh, Alan Crabb leave uh, for the Nets. So, Mo um, Harkless getting think, his ass benched. What's that? Mo Harkless getting his ass benched a bunch. Yeah. yeah. So I think Gondanobi, just like for the Raptors, he would have given uh, the Blazers some, you know, some stability at that small forward position. Uh, another guy who could have easily played off of uh, Lillard and McCollum. Uh, yeah. Doesn't demand the ball. Uh, would have given them, given them some much needed size at the position as well, considering uh, you know Lillard and McCollum's uh, defensive issues as a pair together, anyway. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think that's definitely one that they'll probably look at, and wonder. But then, um, yeah, you know, I'm just trying to think of who are the other guys. I mean, you know, in terms of fit. Kyle Kuzma probably would have been great for them, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Donovan Mitchell would have been cool uh, for any of these teams above 13. <laughs> yeah. Um, my favorite team that didn't get OG is the Nuggets, I think, because they traded that 13th pick that became Donovan Mitchell, thinking they could get OG later, and then they didn't get OG later. It's beautiful to me. Mm. Um, wow. I think the I mean, the Hornets are probably fine with Malik Monk, even though he's kind of shit. Um, Detroit, Luke Kennard... I mean, they had Stanley Johnson and stuff, I guess, so maybe they, uh, they're they fine with Kennard. Obviously, the Jazz with Mitchell, they're cool with that. Bam yeah. looks really good for Miami. That dude looked terrifying when they played the Raptors last week. Goddamn. Um, yeah. I bet the Kings would like OG instead of Justin Jackson. Um, Ouch. Justin Patton, <laughs> we don't know. Uh, DJ Wilson from... Imagine OG on Milwaukee. That is no. terrifying. <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, Indiana, I don't know why they didn't take OG, considering he's an Indiana dude. Um, I mean, instead of TJ Leaf. When you're Indiana, how could you not pick TJ Leaf? I know. <laughs> that's, that's very true. Uh, John think, Collins looks good for Bird, Atlanta. I think Larry Bird would have took him first, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. Uh, John Collins looks pretty good for Atlanta. Yeah, Harry Giles to the Kings. The Kings could have taken him twice, and. Uh, I think in the locked on mock draft we did before the season, the the, the whole Jason Ross for the Kings podcast picked OG at ten before trading the pick to Portland before they traded the pick for Zach Collins. Wow. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, that that did not work out the way that uh, Jason envisioned. Terrence Ferguson, he's had some moments. He's probably fine for OKC, but uh, OG would be pretty nice on Brooklyn. As much as I like Jared Allen, that dude's good, but. Yeah, the Raptors did pretty well getting OG and Obi. I gotta say, it's uh, it's pretty nice that he's on the team and not on the Bucks. That'd be amazing. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, all right. Can you imagine next... OG and Paul George defensively though? Oh my god. Oh, I don't want to. That's not cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this one's interesting because this is gonna. There might end up being some bias baked into the, our answers here, but we don't have the answer for this just yet. Uh, the next one is who finishes with the Raptors dunk of the year. Uh, Sahal, what do you think is the Raptors' dunk of the year so far? Oh, um... There haven't been that many. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Um... Norman, I think, had a couple... I remember it was a couple weeks ago he had a pretty big tomahawk, but I'm trying to think of any uh, real posters. Um, Nothing's really coming to mind. Do you guys remember anything, or...? Not really, because there were like six or seven from last year that I can like vividly remember. I just don't have any in my head right now. Vivek? Uh, um, 
you know, they weren't monster dunks, but I, I enjoyed uh, OG recently had, um, you know, a nice reverse slam coming off a cut. Mm. Um, so I like that one. JB's had a couple of uh, pretty nice throwdowns. Uh, he had the one where he went a, uh, around and beat and oh, I like that one. Yeah. So uh, I like that one as well. Um, but uh, what's a hall in general? There hasn't there hasn't been that one dunk where you're like, oh my god, that's the dunk of the year. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Maybe it's coming. It could be. Um, yeah, honestly, actually, I think my favorite dunk so far this year, I think it was was it against Portland when Bebe came in and Lowry threw the lob that was like at the top of the backboard essentially, and and oh, Bebe so somehow oh, grabbed my it and god, put yeah. it down. Like that's probably my like the most vivid one I can remember, even though it wasn't like a poster or anything like that. It was just really cool. Um, so I'll say we don't none of us gets points yet for that. Well, uh, I would say OG's probably the leader in the clubhouse just in terms of quantity, but there haven't been any crazy like Norm on Anthony Davis or Demar on Rudy Gobert or Tristan Thompson type dunks yet. So um, we will reconvene on that one later in the season. Uh, next Shouts one. Shouts to uh, Ibaka getting crowned a ton though. Yeah, oh, that, that like, happens. That that I can remember. Like the, there was Dwight Howard. <laughs> uh, that was probably that was probably the worst one. Serge has had some oh. pretty nice dunks too, like the ones where he kind of attacks off the dribble and then dunks from <laughs> seemingly ten feet away, but his arm somehow reaches the basket. Um, yeah, those are fun. Uh, yeah. Next one up here, so no one gets points there right now. Sahal is projected to win four, three, uh, and then I think one for Vivek so far. Ooh, buddy. Wow, buddy. <laughs> uh, so yeah, next one is net rating of the starting five. Um, we set the over under at zero. The current starting five is at twelve point nine. We all took over zero, but I'm giving us all the loss on this one because the original starting five you're making the bet on was a negative eleven point one. So yeah, we all lose there. That yeah. that starting five was very bad. What like? Sahal, why did that starting five not work? Was it a, fat, a matter of like the, not enough time yet for Jonas and Serge to sort of get time to like bake together with Lowry working with them because they hadn't had much time last season? Was it Norm being that actively bad? Um, because like OG obviously is a, a better defender than Norm and he's more versatile, but like I don't really see why there should be a 23, 24 point disparity in how good these lineups were. I think it was a mix of so many different factors. Yeah. Um, I don't think it was just one player. I'm not going to put it all on Norm. As as bad as he was in the beginning of the year, I'm not going to put it all on him. Um, JV and Ibaka looked horrendous. They're pairing earlier in the year. Now it looks like they're at least figuring it out a bit. But um, I think the biggest thing is just them acclimating uh, much better to the system change um, further and further as they get further down the season. Mm-hmm. I think in the beginning you saw Kyle Lowry. There was that one uh, post-game uh, scrum where... He was like, he just wasn't really happy with uh, the amount of shots he was getting. and But you haven't really seen anyone, they're winning games, which is like the biggest thing. So you haven't really seen anyone complaining or, you know, any uh, discontent or anything like that. So I think the biggest thing is just honestly them acclimating to the new system and, and everybody understanding the rules a little bit better. And um, You see Kyle Lowry obviously playing a lot more off ball. and I think it's just a more efficient way of playing, so... When you play more in a more efficient style, you're probably going to have a better net rating as a unit. Yeah, and I guess like a couple of those games at the start of the season against like the Warriors and stuff, and the the Nuggets game as well. Like they're so early in the season that they kind of sewer the numbers, and yeah. like they didn't get that much time. They had like less than a month together before the the starting lineup changed. So I, I do think that like even with Norm playing as poorly as he has, I think that number would have creeped up closer to something close to zero. Maybe it would still be negative, but. Um, I don't think it'd be such a disaster of a lineup as it was at the start of the year. But yeah, I think I think your points make sense that it's just a combination of factors there. Um, so yeah, none of us get the points there. The next one here, Vivek, I'm going to ask you about this one because you watched the 905. Um, maybe we'll see if we're in, in line for a, a spike in the final half of the season. But Bruno Caboclo minutes played. Uh, we set the over-under at 250. I am dumb and took the over. Uh, you guys are smart and both took the under. So Vivek gets his oh, second course. point here. Um, he's played <laughs> seven minutes so far. <laughs> I warned you, Sean. Vivek, what's up with Bruno? Bruno is going to be a G League All-Star. That's um, good. That's fun. So, That's yeah. Good. Good for him. That's progress. That's something that he hasn't done before. I mean, obviously he's yet to do it, so... 
to see if he gets to that point. But right now on the season with the 905, he's averaging 15 points, 6.4 rebounds, 1.4 steals, 1.6 blocks. Um, in terms of what he's shown on the court, uh, he's he's playing that specific role of being a 3 and D guy, and mm-hmm. you'd like to see him show that assertiveness and showing that he can be more than that. Uh, but I think his dribble... Uh, game holds him back. I, I don't think he's confident off the dribble in terms of taking guys on. He can attack a closeout, which is nice. Um, and he's occasionally sprinkled in uh, a bit of a one dribble pull up as well. Um, the three point shooting needs to be better as well. He's only at about uh, just a bit over 30% from beyond the arc. So that's something that he right. needs to get better at, especially if he's uh, going to be shooting as many as he does. Uh, other than that, defensively, I think he's been really, really good for the 905. Uh, that's the area where he stands out. I think he's he can defend at an NBA level. Um, and beyond that, I think it's just what he can give to a team offensively. Would you say like above average NBA level? On defense? Uh, yeah. yeah, I would say so. Okay. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's become a leader uh, for the 905 on the defensive end. I mean, he's... he's calling out plays he's yelling at guys to be where they're supposed to be that's something that you know i don't i don't think people would have envisioned when you look at you know his shyness and uh just his general timid nature um so to see that is really big and then you know i've had conversations with uh guys like malcolm miller and you know even negus webster chan was on like the, the only other guy that was on the team last year and they all say the same thing in terms of his leadership and really stepping up and, because he's kind of a vet on that team now so yeah uh it's good to see him take those steps yeah i think that's pretty encouraging to hear because like his defense was always like on ball was always like all right this dude is enormous and can kind of poke balls free whenever he wants but it was always the off ball stuff and sort of the team defense aspect that i was very skeptical about so that's encouraging to hear um will we see him play anything close to 250 minutes in the back half of the season <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> I think the more pressing question or uh, interesting topic is whether or not he will get an offer from the Raptors yeah. uh, at the end of the season. I mean, they obviously won't make a qualifying offer to him, but um, whether Masai thinks the experiment is worth continuing uh, on a minimum contract, that's something that uh, maybe, you know, where, where you say it's a minimum deal, why not? You yeah. know, they put in all this time already. Um, and he's showing uh, signs of maybe getting there. And so, you know, you don't want to put in all this time and then sort of have him figure it out for another team. So um, if, if, if he's open to a minimum deal, then I think that's something Masal probably consider. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out in the summer. My body is ready for Sean Marks to offer him a four-year, $40 million offer sheet. <laughs> and, then, and then get praised for it <laughs> oh man yeah he's better than Julie Loco for so there's that um, that might be not fair to, to Jaleel but it might be he sucks uh, um, one quick thing I want to touch on just on the previous point because yeah. I, I sort of remembered it uh, before so I wanted to look back in terms of the starting lineups Yeah, and there was a point where uh, the lineup with Powell had played 127 minutes yeah. and had a defensive rating of 113.1. Ew. And there was a point where with OG uh, had played 124 minutes and had a defensive rating of 112.2. Huh. So wow. it took some time for them to figure it out as well. So um, I think a lot, I think Sahal hit the nail on the head. It just, there was a lot to figure out at the beginning of the season. Lowry was uncertain of his role. Uh, you had Jonas and Serge uh, figuring it out together because you remember Jonas didn't get that much to, uh, time to start in the playoffs uh, last season anyway. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. So I think a lot of it had to do with just so many new things happening at the beginning of the season. And then uh, let's not forget the Raptors had, so after that, hundred those 10 games where they OG lineup played 124 minutes. Raptors had a pretty light schedule as well, so mm-hmm. um, yeah, maybe maybe that's something to look out for. Um, yeah, because 
you know, hopefully it's something that they figured out. But uh, as the competition gets tougher, um, who knows? Yeah, I mean, they're kind of through the hardest part of the tough schedule, right? Like they, yeah. They had that that week from hell, and then they they just beat they just played the Spurs and beat the Spurs, and then like yeah, they have Minnesota tonight and a couple weeks from now as well. That's going to be tough, but. Um, for the most part, I think it's kind of evening out. Like their next three games after Minnesota are Atlanta, Utah, and the Lakers. So, um, like maybe we can sort of take what they're at right now. What are they at right now in terms of their net rating stuff? I'm going to pull it up right now. Um, they are currently a 101.2 defensive rating, and over the last uh, how many? Games? Yeah, so it's got to be in the 90s for sure. Maybe yeah. lower. Let's go last 10 games to bring you to the start of the month ish. They are. Uh, a 96.5 defensive rating. Their offensive rating yeah. is ass. It's 100.3. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That and and that that goes to the, the the spacing that OG was providing when he was hitting his threes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I think that that, but, that makes a big difference. But the defense has actually been better against these good teams, so that's uh, promising, I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah. So good times all around. Uh, and this next question, the next prop bet, also. Lots of good times involved. Uh, we set the total for wins on the season for the Raptors at 49.5. Vivek and, uh, and uh, I are going to get points for this, so Hall set under. We both set over. Raptors currently on a 57-ish win pace right now. Um, Damn. Yeah. They're, uh, they're going to blow out, blow this thing out of the water, I think, barring injury. And like I do think I did a podcast last year. Um, it might have been the Raptors HQ podcast where it was around the same time of the year. We were looking at the upcoming Raptors schedule before the All-Star break, which was like super easy. We were like, hey, uh, they could win 60 games. And then they did not win 60 games um, because they had a January yeah. from hell. Uh, so how do you see any way where 49 and, 49 and a half wins is is too high of a, of a projection here? Like, they're going over, right? Yeah, yeah, they're going over. Um, as long as all of the starters and basically the entire 10-man rotation, as long as they all don't get kidnapped or something like that, then <laughs> they're all going over 100%. Yeah, they'd have to go 18 and 21 to not go over. Oh, yeah, it's not The Warriors done, and uh, they got one more against the Cavs, I think. The, the Celtics games will be interesting, but, like, yeah, I think they you can kind of chalk this up. They're going to go over. They well, could, st- I mean, there's a chance they could go 60, like, if they... Put a, rattle off some win streaks. Like if they rattle off a win streak that can go more than six games, because God damn it, they can never get past six games in a win streak. Um, <laughs> like we could see that sort of that projection morph a little bit. But um, yeah, fifty-seven, pretty good. Like Vivek, would you say you? I mean, it's so close, right? But like, would you expect them to break the franchise record this season? Um, I'm gonna say yeah. Okay. Uh, I think they're they're only looking more and more comfortable with playing style um, I think it could maybe get a little uh, tricky at the end if you know if either uh, they've slotted into a seed and they offer some rest uh, so that could play a factor but um, they're definitely on pace to break the franchise record uh, wouldn't be surprised if they do it they'd have to go 29 and 9 to get to 60 wins mm-hmm. I think that's in play as well because um, like you said, they've gotten through the most difficult uh, stretch of their schedule, and you know, after they don't, they don't have any West Coast games uh, after tonight, right? Uh, against the Wolves. Yeah, it's their last West Western Conference road game, which is wild. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, okay. yeah. I didn't know. Okay. Yeah. yeah they don't so go. They, they, they don't go really, past the Central uh, Time Zone or anything. Um, yeah, this, uh, it's all looking good. The final one, we can't really gauge yet because it's a playoff one, but we will see. Um, we set the over-under for playoff rounds one at one and a half. We all took the under, not thinking they're making the conference finals. So, Hall, has your outlook changed for this Raptors team? Um, I think, honestly, it all just comes down to whether they face the Cavs or not. I think yeah. as... as uh, as disappointing to Cavs fans as the Cavaliers look this year, I still think when it really comes down to it, the Raptors won't be able to beat a team led by LeBron James. Um, I do think they'd make it really close, probably a seven-game series. But I think when it just comes down to it, there's there's just we don't have that we don't have that kind of that edge, especially with the youth 
on on the bench, and I just don't think uh, I just don't. There's no way I see LeBron not making the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah. Um, but I think if we do avoid him, then I think we're all going to get this wrong. That's fair. Um, I think they can beat the Celtics. I, I mean. This yeah, is an anti-Celtics podcast as much as it is a Raptors podcast, but I, I think they can beat the Celtics in a series. Um, yeah, I, yeah I, think, I think one thing we have to bear in mind is uh, we did not envision uh, what happened to Gordon Hayward. That's true. Uh, oh, that's true. So um, I think the Celtics would be even better with him, and I think that would have been a big factor in the playoffs yeah. as well just because you need – as many of those stars as you can get in the playoffs when the game slows down and you're just looking for half-court offense. So I think that's going to hurt the Celtics uh, when they get to the postseason because I don't know how much you want to rely on a couple of young guys in Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. But uh, as good as Tatum's looked, I mean, he, he already looks like a bet. But I think that's going to be an interesting test for them. Uh, but yeah, I'm with Sahal. If the Raptors face the Cavs in the second round, I think that's going to be a really tough out for them because... Uh, I think the Cavs showed that when they care that that nineteen and two stretch, it, it it was almost like you know they they, they they've done this before to the yeah. point where you know no I'm one not was gonna, I'm not, you know yeah I'm not, I'm not going to read into uh, them struggling or having a poor defensive rating or you know that might that does matter when they face the Warriors because uh, at the end of the day you saw their bad habits catch up with them in the finals last year but I, 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 don't, I still don't think uh, it matters enough uh, against the Eastern Conference yeah I certainly don't think they're gonna like yeah. steamroll their way through the East again um, like I do think <laughs> the issues are very real and I do think like the, the idea of the Raptors or the Celtics or the Wizards beating them isn't like the pipe dream it's been in the last few seasons like I think there's like very real flaws with that team that can be attacked and exposed in the playoff series and if LeBron's not like 100% LeBron then um, then it gets interesting because, like, I I do think Isaiah Thomas in a playoff situation is significantly less valuable and easier to stop than Kyrie Irving. I, I think we haven't really talked about how big a drop off that's, that's going to be just yet. Um, right. And like Isaiah's like in the Kyle Lowry to Marta Rosen range in terms of true shooting percentage in playoff games. So um, like that's going to be I a thing. Now I can already see it now. They're going to throw Isaiah on OG and Obi, but. <laughs> um, yeah, I yeah. mean, it, it, realistically, the main thing I'll be looking for if the Raptors play the Cavs in a series is uh, how much better they are on the road. Because yeah, the last two, the last two playoffs at the Q, I mean, they've been blown out every yeah. single time. Oh, Rolls are terrible. Yeah, so uh, it's great to see the Raptors play as well as they have the season at home, and so maybe that'll carry them uh, to at least take it to seven games. Um, and then, you know, if that seventh game is in Toronto, maybe that'll make all the difference in the world. But uh, I still think you need to be able to beat that team on the road because I, I I can't see LeBron losing every road game he plays in the series. So, yeah, yeah, that's totally um, fair. Um, um, yeah. Yeah, for, they, they have they have a four-game lead right now in Cleveland. Cleveland's closer to Miami than they are to the Raptors. Um, so, like, I yeah. do think home court is very much in play and probably a likelihood at this point if they were to play the Cavs in the playoffs. So that is a bigger thing as well that kind of lends to my point that I don't think it would be just, like, the the guaranteed route that it has been the last couple seasons. But, yeah, the, okay. the LeBron is LeBron, man. And we always forget how good playoff LeBron is. And one of these years, he won't be playoff LeBron anymore. I'm not counting on it being this season. But, hey, who knows? He's in year 15. Um, he's kind of overexerting himself this season, it seems, trying to go after an MVP perhaps. Um, maybe as they lose more games and that becomes less likely, he just chills a little bit, and that's bad news for everybody. But, um, yeah, I, I don't think it's the foregone conclusion it's been in the, in the past. But, yeah, I would say at this point I'll still take the under based on the seeding um, of one-and-a-half playoff round wins, but I don't think it's nuts to say they can make it to the conference finals. Um, yeah. Well, one more thing, guys. Has, um, has Gordon Hayward been, like, officially ruled out for the playoffs or – because I know some Celtics fans are optimistic that he can make it by the second round. Or Celtics fans are being dumb, and they're looking at the Paul George thing and saying, oh, Paul George came back. Uh, Paul George was terrible when he came back. Um, yeah. That's not like the easiest injury to just come back and be 100% with. There's a psychological thing with that. There's just like the, the strength in your leg. There's not having played for eight months or whatever, or six months, whatever it is. Um like, I'm not too worried about that yet. As if we hear reports about it in, like, mid-March, like, oh, Gordon Hayward's reaching a comeback soon, maybe I'll get a little bit more nervous, but 
like I don't think we should be really all that fretful that yeah they're 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 gonna have Gordon Hayward at anything close to 100 percent at any point in the playoffs. I think it'd be dumb to bring him back. You just made a huge investment in the guy. Why are you yeah, gonna rush it in a year where you're already ahead of the curve? So curve curb curve. I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, people come to this podcast for me to butcher the English language. It's, uh, it's a beautiful thing. Um, you guys did not butcher this podcast. This was very fun, guys. Uh, the score right now projected. Sahal's projected to beat uh, us both. He's got five points. I got four. Vivek's got three. Things can change, of course. Um, but as it stands, that's what we got right now. We'll see how it changes come season's end. Um, but yeah, this was fun, guys. Sahal, you have anything you want to plug? Um, just the usual stuff. I'm on Raptors Republic. I haven't been able to write as much this week. I haven't really been feeling that all too well. So, um, but I'm on Raptors Republic and I'm on Twitter at, at sabd28. So you guys can just follow me there. Uh, Vivek, what you got? Yeah, I'm on Raptors Republic as well. Uh, B-Ball Breakdown, and uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Vivek M. Jacob, and I should have a feature out on Monday. We're a little bit away from that, but yeah. Fantastic. Um, yeah, yes. follow me at Woodley Sean. Follow the show at Locked On Raptors. Find links to all the shows. Uh, leave a rating, leave a review on iTunes. It's very easy, and it helps out a lot to make us more popular and uh, all that good stuff. Um, and yeah, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll be back again on Monday. Sorry for the weird week this week with just three podcasts and a Saturday podcast, just a busy schedule. and. Uh, lady friend's birthday and stuff so got a little tied up yesterday but um, there'll be a full week of shows next week and we'll dive into uh, games against the Hawks and the Jazz I guess. Maybe I'll try to hook up with our boy David Locke, our, the boss man when he's in town on Friday for a Jazz Raptors podcast. That could be fun. Um, so okay. stay tuned for that. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for listening. Do all the stuff I tell you to do on every podcast and uh, we will talk to you next time with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Cheers. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.